Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. Today with me, I've got Nick Carr. Hello, Nick. Hello. Nick, you're um, you're a movie location scout, is that right? That is right. I am a professional movie location scout uh, working in New York City. Working in New York City. Okay. Right then. Now, that's a, that, that's a kind of role that um, it doesn't seem obvious how you become one. So before we go into any kind of filmy details and stuff. Do you want to talk about how someone becomes a movie location scout? Well, it's it's kind of hard to talk about because every location scout that I know never set out to become a location scout. They all wanted to work in film, uh, and location scouting just happened to be the first job that came along that gave them a doorway into it. Uh, no one said, no one wanted to do it. Um, when most people got the job, it sounded like a really boring job, and uh, that's certainly true in my case. And then once you start doing it, you you learn it's one of the best jobs you can have um, in film. I think uh, I I the specifics of how I got started. Um, I graduated from college and I uh, was looking for a job and a friend of a friend was working on the Steven Spielberg movie uh, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise and um, he knew I was good with tech stuff with uh, computers and, and things like that and he said, well, you know, Tom Cruise has this thing in his contract where at every filming location he has to have four hard phone lines and four hard internet lines uh, in his trailer and we want to <laughs> hire you to kind of follow his trailer around because he doesn't use wireless signals of any kind for whatever reason. Okay. And so uh, we want to we want to hire you to follow his trailer around and get him hooked up at every location. Um, so that was a really weird way to get into filmmaking. But I worked very closely with the locations department on that job, kind of figuring out, well, hey, guys, where are you putting his trailer today? I got to get Tom his, you know, Internet, his phone lines and whatnot. Um, and then after that job ended and I needed to get an actual job, I had worked so closely with the locations department that I just called them up and said, Hey guys, uh, do you need someone to work, you know, doing something, you know, I'd like to continue working in film and, you know, uh, a year down the line, I'm working as a location scout. Um, certainly not anything I ever set out to do, but you just sort of fall into it. So, so from the sounds of things there, the key requisite is willingness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I would say honestly that most people who do any job in film production, that doesn't sound like a glamorous job, got into it because they wanted to work in film and they want, wanted or want to become a writer, director, or producer at some point. And then the older people who are at the top of their game uh, who kind of gave up on that dream of becoming a producer, writer, director. Um, generally, it's because the money got really good, the families came along, and, um, you know, hey, it's a great, it's a, it's a good job. It pays well, they're in a union, whatever. Um, but most most people who do those odd jobs, even like accountants, you'll talk to accountants on set, and they'll tell you, listen, we didn't set out to be a film accountant. It was just a way to work in the movies, and uh, and uh, then the money got good, so we stuck with it. No, 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 a, a producer I'm working with, he flips between 
Um, his his main job, as it were, would be location manager. I mean, that's oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah, he's that's that's what he does. Bit and he's yep. yeah, that's certainly how he makes things tick over. Yep. Uh, so um, New York City, okay. Yes. It's uh, it's a world famous city, as uh, as is London, where I'm sat now. Uh-huh. Um, with many iconic buildings, which is you know clearly a lot of the reasons why people might want to shoot there on on a surface level. Right. So, so what is it that filmmakers need a location scout for in New York City? Then, what what is it that you can do for them? And is uh, that, it's I mean, it's it's for it's for everything else that's not the iconic stuff. Uh, okay. It's when you need an apartment, when you need an office space. I worked on the movie um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, for example, and um, there was a, there's a scene in the movie where Ben Stiller is supposed to be in the the offices, the Life magazine offices, and. I came in towards the second half of filming where they were doing pickup shots towards the end, uh, but they needed a, just an office. And it seems like such a simple thing. And we literally probably looked at, oh, I don't know, 30, 30 or so offices before. I don't even know if they found one in that bunch, but that was just going around and finding offices, office spaces that were willing to let you kind of take over their entire world uh, for a, a pretty long period of time to make a movie. Um, you know, finding those locations really takes someone who who lives in the city, who works in this world frequently, and um, and that, that's kind of why they come to us. I mean, I'm guessing then, does your 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 kind of contact book, does it, your contact book, as it were, is kind of grows based on the kind of you meet someone that's like amenable in terms of the buildings they own. They don't mind people uh, coming yeah. in and stuff. Ab- absolutely, I realized uh, several years ago that. Um, I should really be saving all my locations contacts and, um, and, and kind of start a library of locations. And at this point it's, I must have thousands of, of files, uh, of ready to go locations. It could be mansions. It could be penthouse apartments, uh, offices, uh, abandoned warehouses, all that kind of thing. And, um, so having that stuff ready to go is, is a really good start. Although the one irritating thing is that directors hate filming anywhere that's been filmed before. And so a lot of times they'll come and they'll say, Oh, you know, we want to show New York City like it's never been seen before. We want to do shots that no one does. And that gets us as location scouts really excited. We're like, oh, cool. We finally don't have to do the same old thing. So we go and shoot all this stuff that that people never film at. And um, then we'll show it to the director and he'll look at it and say, uh, yeah, all right, that's okay. That's okay. Here, why don't why don't we do another pass? So then we'll go out and, and shoot all the stuff that everybody films at in New York City. <laughs> and then the director will see that and he'll go, oh, my God, this stuff is amazing. We have to film that. So... That's kind of the way it works. Okay, so so there is that kind of um, there's there's the want in New York City as an iconic background, and then there's using New York City because there's lots of visual resources on the ground. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I would say what what's kind of annoying these days is I, I work on more movies that and TV shows that are kind of written from the perspective of someone who doesn't live in New York City, and so they come <laughs> looking for. New York, uh, maybe a part of New York that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, or, or, you know, you always see people, I always talk about it a million times, but it, you always talk, uh, see people going down seedy alleys in New York City. And, and the thing about New York City is it has about five alleys. And the same one gets used over and over again. I think most recently it was in the trailer for Men in Black 3. It, it's, the, it's called Cortland Alley, and it's been used over and over again. And um, when you think back to some of the iconic movies of New York City, The Godfather, uh, Goodfellas, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Annie Hall, they're all movies that, they, they don't necessarily all have 
the iconic New York City shots, but they 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 made New York City iconic within the character of the movie. So you think of a movie like Taxi Driver and the New York City portrayed as this dark, gritty place. And, mm. you know, it seems like most people come to New York City and kind of treat it as just a backdrop. Like it might as well just be a lot on, on you know, the Warner Brothers lot or something like that in California where it's just sort of, you know, New York City in the background as opposed to New York City, the character. And I, I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I remember, um, I mean, I first came to New York in the early 90s and then it didn't come back until early noughties. And even yeah. in that ten year period. Oh yeah. You could you could go to Avenue C, for example, on foot, which yeah. you wouldn't have done in the early nineties. Yes, yes. You know, so yeah, the the uh, I mean that and that's happened in London, you know, the whole the world has gone through an urban renaissance, hasn't it? And I suppose Yeah. And, and I like- don't even I don't even, you know, mind the change so much as I wish people would kind of <laughs> reflect that. Like you don't get to have people walk down a dangerous street in Manhattan because there are no dangerous streets. And I don't care where you go. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, in the heart of the city or anywhere, you know, anywhere else. There, there's just not that street, that dangerous street you don't want to walk down. Manhattan's safe now. It's completely ridiculously yeah, but Disney, you're, Disney you're, you're talking, You're talking truthful as opposed to dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. And so, like, you know, what's interesting is Annie Hall and Taxi Driver, two movies that were made roughly, like, within a year or two of each other and they both show a different character of new york but they both show a very true character of new york so with um with annie hall you kind of have this sort of post hippie new york kind of being shown and taxi driver you had this super gritty new york and Mm. both of those new yorks existed at the time those were two very real characters that existed at, at the same time and i think it's great i think those movies are so iconic in part because of how they they use that um as as character to the film whereas nowadays you watch most new york movies and it's just like it's hey new york's got the empire state building and the chrysler (laughs) building and uh chinatown you know it's it's not really about the character of the city and maybe that's because a lot of that character has been lost i don't know no no a lot of people have written about that that i've uh, certainly a kind of um i I think some people but there is a belief that the kind of seedy side was part of his character and with you know, when when Disney shops arrive, you can't really have yeah. a CD sign yeah. anymore, can you? No. Um, well, you, you you mentioned there with the Walter Mitty example, you you were brought in at pickups at the pickup stage, as it were. Um, yeah. But what, generally speaking, is is the stage when you get picked up? Are you, are you, do people talk? To you? I mean, you mentioned again about also mentioned about people writing this idea of New York, which is from a point of view of not living there. So do you ever get involved at script development stage where you're kind of seeing locations touted around? And No, you know, I wish we did. I worked on a TV show. Uh, it was a crime drama in New York City. And there was a period about halfway through the show where they started running... The, the, things got a little quiet for a bit as they were writing new scripts. And they asked me to do this great assignment. They said, why don't you go around and shoot all these places where you think it'd be neat to have someone get murdered, right? So um, I just kind of went around and said, I thought it was a great assignment. I just went yeah. around to all these locations that, from my perspective, are really unique places that you could have a crime happen. And so I made this whole folder of, of options and the guys in LA who I don't think have been to New York city and <laughs> based on their scripts in years, uh, they, they completely ignored that folder. So unfortunately, most of the time we don't get to influence the actual script writing. Um, 
but we, we're traditionally hired immediately after production opens its doors in New York City. Um, so the accountants get brought on first and then the locations department gets hired uh, because you because if you're coming from L.A., you, you just need a locations department to manage the city. Um, and that's everything from finding the locations to permits to budgets to all that stuff. Um, you can't do anything until the locations department uh, comes on board. So so what I mean, obviously, in, in America, various states have got, you know, umpteen tax incentives and whatever reason to come. Yeah. But but ignoring that element of it, what is it about New York City that keeps filmmakers coming back for more, do you think? Yeah. Well, actually, just on the it's funny on the nature of the tax credit, that is that is a part of the the draw that I had no idea was so strong. Um, I I forget what the tax credit was maybe five years ago or so, but it was something like, I don't know, 30 percent or something like that. And and about the time uh, Connecticut uh, decided they wanted to get into the filmmaking business. So they said, well, you know what we're going to do, we're going to raise our tax credit to maybe five percent higher than New York, see if we can get any business. And we all started joking that, hey, this summer we're all going to be working in Connecticut. And it was supposed to be a joke, and that's exactly what happened. Every production that summer rewrote to take place in Connecticut. And movies that were supposed to take place in New York City were all of a sudden taking place in Hartford and New Haven and all these places. It was ridiculous. So the tax credit is, unfortunately, a major, major reason why people come, as opposed to artistic and, you know, look of a city. Um, Beyond that... uh, I think people keep coming back to New York because it's the city people know best uh, from the movies. It's like, it's kind of like the A-list actor for movies. Like people, when you think of other American cities, at least, I find they tend to get portrayed exactly the same, you know, in in film over and over. So Boston always gets portrayed as uh, the south side of, or south end of Boston, south side of Boston, Mm. south, which is like the, you know, the gritty dark area. And there's all this sort of, corruption and cop stuff you think of a movie like the departed and that's kind of how people tend to portray boston um la is always kind of this like glamorous glitzy place uh that's you know devoid of character and i think what's fun about new york city to to filmmakers is that you kind of you know you have the option of portraying it however you want and every neighborhood has its own kind of character and look so you get a a bunch of different looks to it so it's sort of the most versatile city that that you can go to I must admit, as a kid, when I saw um, uh, the Warriors, I just thought New York was full of gangs. That was my yeah. No, I, I I based all before I got to New York. My parents, my dad went to college in New York City in the late '60s, early '70s, and he uh, I don't know he left, and then he was so like <laughs> I think disturbed by what uh, whatever the hell happened to him in New York at that time. He didn't take me and my brothers back till you know I was well in my teens. So up until that point. Uh, I only New York City uh, knew New York City too from the movies. So like my impressions were like Ghostbusters. You know, I was like, man, you know, I can't. Everything that I thought of New York was from 1984 New York, uh, and that's. But that's that's true for most people. I mean, it's unbelievable how these uh, these uh, movie tours uh, thrive in the city. Like people still come and get on a bus to go look at all the locations that were used in Sex in the City. Like, it's ridiculous. I forget how long ago that show went off the air. But people know New York City so well from the movies that they'll be walking down the street and, hey, there's a brownstone, and I know that one brownstone because it was in a TV show. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Um, But but I guess that's New York. Um, So you you mentioned one strange request, or not strange, but but more more sort of um, unorthodox request about finding murder locations. But is there any outlandish request in terms of New York locations that you can remember that, that had you yeah, scratching your head at the, the 
One of the more uh, frustrating uh, locations requests I got was there was this movie that filmed. It wasn't very good. I don't even remember the title of it. But um, there was this movie that filmed in um, Toronto and they faked Toronto for for New York City uh, because it was like cheaper for them to film in Toronto. Except then they looked at their film and uh, they were like, well, we got a problem. The movie doesn't look like. Uh, New York City looks like Toronto. So they came to New York City for like three days to do a bunch of exterior shots. And the idea was to kind of stick these in the movie to make it more look, look more like New York, except that our instructions were we need New York City that looks like Toronto. So because otherwise, if it looks like New York City, it'll be way too stark a contrast with all our Toronto stuff. So we had all these stupid pictures of Toronto and we had to go around New York City finding stuff that felt like New York City, but also looked like Toronto. So that was that was a very annoying. That's like uh, police itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was a, that was not a fun assignment. Um, what 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 um, what recent projects have you been working on? And uh, what uh, did that involve? The most recent movie I did was The Wolf of Wall Street, um, okay. which just came out. I scouted on that. Um, I I did a lot of scouting in the movie. There's um, their office is this massive, massive uh, open floor uh, traders desk floor kind of thing where where you just have desk after desk after desk, and we looked everywhere in Westchester and Long Island for this, um, this, this location. And they, they ultimately picked one in, um, Westchester, north of the city, uh, for it. Um, but so we were looking for offices. We're also looking for his mansion in the movie and his beach house. Um, what was fun about that movie was, um, they, they initially sent me around to go find the actual location. Are you, you're familiar with the film? It's based on a, on a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's this trader and he's a you know, real guy wrote a book, the whole deal. So it's so funny because they sent me around to take pictures of the actual locations, his actual mansion where he, I think once crashed a helicopter or something like that. And the place where his, uh, his girlfriend used to live in this dingy apartment down in Brooklyn. And then, um, they sent me out to find his childhood home, which was in Queens. So I, I wanted to kind of scout some of the actual apartments. So I was just ringing doorbells and I was going down the list of this building where he used to live. And then I got to this one doorbell marked Belfort, uh, which is his last name, the character it's based on Jordan Belfort. And I was like, oh my God, like his, his parents still live in this building. So I rang the bell, I had rung the bell and, and they answered. I just ran the hell out of there. Cause I, I just felt very uneasy <laughs> of like, you know, going in their apartment and being like, Hey, we're making a, a movie. That's kind of, uh, it, all about how terrible a person your son was. Can we take pictures of your home? <laughs> so I, I got out of there. So um, you've got you've got a website that advertises your your wares, as it were. But there's also lots of um, interesting stories, as well as as well as um, news of, of uh, yeah. locations and services offered. And one one that took me eyes is your recent one um, regarding the Times Square building that's sure. been restored. That you that I'm guessing part of Part of it getting done was was linked to the open letter you wrote to the building owners. What what inspired I, I, that? I, I, I would love to take that much credit. I, I don't. I don't. I would have to give the I don't, the building owners uh, all the credit on that one. I, I don't. I don't know who they are. A lot of uh, building owners are kind of quiet. They they don't like interviews. I, I tried to reach out and 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 didn't get anyone. Um, but what I. I, when I wrote the post about it, this dilapidated building in Times Square and how it had just been had fallen into shambles, what what really made me happy was how many people responded to it. I wrote it about a year and a half ago, and literally hundreds uh, of people started 
uh, tweeting and, and writing to the, the company that owned the property on Facebook saying, you know, you please, please, you should save this property. And so whether or not that had any effect, I have no idea. But but I know that the message was certainly received. And I think that's great because in Times Square, everybody's looking at the digital billboards and stuff as they rightfully should. I mean, it's it's fun to look at and crazy over the top. But it's also nice to know that people still care about a little building that that's, you know, like four or five stories tall that was built in 1919 or something, 1920, something like that. And uh, so, yeah, now it's been restored and, and it, it's looking better than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it did. It, it was uh, quite a transformation. Yeah. Um, now, you, you mentioned Toronto already and uh, and I, I've certainly read I've, and certainly spoke to filmmakers who've used um, Glasgow for its brownstones as a sure. kind of shortcut to get into New York. But what would be the sell to a filmmaker about really going to film in New York City? What, what is what is it you get from that authenticity that you don't get from? from yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think the short of it is you can tell. I, I think that you can tell when a movie was shot in New York or not. I think we're so in tune with the visual language of this city that when people, like the end of um, War of the Worlds, the kid is supposed to be going home to Boston and it was shot in, uh, I think, the Park Slope neighborhood of of, um, of Brooklyn. Uh, the kid's supposed to be going to a brownstone in Boston, and it doesn't it doesn't look like Boston. It looks like New York City. I don't think anyone would mistake it for for Boston, even if you haven't been to... If, if you showed someone a picture of this, they say, oh, look, that must be New York, and you go, no, no, it's Boston, and someone, you know, if they've never been to Boston, they say, oh, okay. But um, I think people are so in tune with the the visual look of New York City that it's just... It's, it's a, an instant identifiable aspect of a film you're sort of it's kind of like why do we go see movies with same actors in it over and over again and why don't we like seeing no name actors you know and 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 there's a there's a truth to it people just feel comfort i guess seeing that same person on screen whether they're talented or not doing a different role and people like that idea much more than being introduced to something new and so maybe it's just that comfort level of I don't know. Going going to New York, and and we all know it. We all know the city, but let's see it do a different a different part. I guess it's kind of like a beating heart, isn't it? If you know you're there, then you know you know you're filming New York, not trying to pretend. Yeah, isn't it really? Um, on, on your on your website, you list sort of favorite buildings and places, and um, but but for you, where's where's one location that you return to a lot because it says New York and it's so versatile in terms of serving filmmakers. Needing to shoot in New York. I'm trying to think, what's some what's an iconic? I mean, you know, I I mentioned um, there's one alley that we go back to all the time. It's because every other alley does not look like like when you picture right now an alley in New York. It's probably got. Uh, you know, fire escapes on the buildings and uh, old worn down brick and that sort of thing. And there's one alley that we go to over and over again. It's called Cortland Street. And it's because it is that alley that might as well be on the back lot of a, of a movie set. Um, I love uh, Doyer Street in, um, in in Chinatown is this uh, street. It's got a curve to it. Most New York City streets are straight. So having a street with a curve is very, very <laughs> rare. And um, it really feels like Chinatown. You're surrounded on all sides by everything from from restaurants to sort of uh, gift shops to barber shops, but all of it is is it's just really the heart of Chinatown. Uh, of course, you know the thing is that even when you film in these places, we filmed at the street in Chinatown, and the director decided it didn't look Chinese enough, and so they brought in all these ball lamps and strung them all over the street, and all of a sudden it looked like Epcot instead of you know Chinatown. So. 
Um, as realistic as the stuff is, it's more what director you have and and whether how how much they want to amplify the the look or or not. And and you mentioned a few films already, but 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 finally, for your mind, what film says New York like no other film for your mind? Um, let me think. You know. Uh, I mean, I would uh, certainly Taxi Driver is like the quintessential New York City movie. Um, uh, but to me, any movie that has an, a, a, a location that's become famous um, because it was used in the film has, has sort of broken this, um, I don't know, has broken this barrier that I would love to do as a location scout. I mean, a movie like When Harry Met Sally, everybody goes to Katz's Deli now to, for that one scene. Mm. Or Ghostbusters, everybody comes to the city to go see the firehouse. Um, or, you know, the, the Godfather, people travel out to Staten Island to go to the Godfather Mansion. So any any movie that some that, you know, created this world that people so responded to that they go and visit the locations that were in the film. To me, that that film is, you know, pretty special. Whereas, you know, I worked on, I've worked on a million movies and I don't think a single one has had a location like that. Um, And uh, I think that's too bad because I don't, I think that often comes from just doing the same old thing that everybody does instead of doing something new. I mean, you know, a movie like Ghostbusters, they filmed in a firehouse as their headquarters. No one had ever done anything like that before, and it's yeah. a great movie, so people respond to it well. Um, or, you know, Taxi Driver, he, he's got the iconic shot of him walking down the street in front of a porno theater, and it's just something that no one had ever done. And and so people now go to 8th Avenue and walk in front of that, that porno store, which is not a porno store anymore. It's where you get the tourist bus to take you around the city. Yes, it's almost. I mean, from from Schrader's point of view, it's almost like he he he, um, he he wrote that film, and then when he was writing Hardcore a few years later, he thought, "I'll take that image to the West Coast." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, look, um, I think I think that we've covered everything there. Um, yeah. That um, it's well, we've not covered everything, but we've certainly covered a lot of ground. And uh, mm-hmm. so, thank you very much for your time, Nick. That was uh, yeah, really thank interesting. you so much. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.